I'm Danny, that witch next door, and you're listening to That Witch Podcast. Friday. Welcome to another episode of That Witch Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm That Witch Next Door. I'm going to be your host, your guide, your mentor, and instructor in all things magic, witchcraft, astrology, and witchy business. And we are doing a very, very miniature planetary series again. Um, I got a request from one of our neighbors here in our witchy neighborhood uh, asking if I was planning on doing a continuation of the How to Work with the Planetary Energy series where we went through all of the personal planets and the inner planets from the sun and the moon all the way to uh, Saturn. <clears throat> if I would do the same with outer planets. Now, I'll be honest. Originally, no, I was not planning on doing this. I... I had thought, you know, maybe I'll do something separate for the outer planets later on. And when this person reached out to me, I was like, you know what? The outer planets are very different than the inner planets, but we can still structure this series to be really, really similar to that first how to work with the planet series so that your notes are kind of the same, your headspace and mental structure is kind of the same. And hopefully all of that helps provide an even better and more effective foundation for understanding these very, very intriguing outer planetary energies. So without further ado, let's dive right in, shall we? And today we're going to be talking about Uranus. Now, first and foremost, I want to answer probably the most common question about Uranus, which is how do you pronounce it? And I love how many people ask me this, like I'm the expert on it. I say words, you know, I try to say words the most accurate way that they're supposed to be pronounced. Like I am a per- I'm a fact checker out the wazoo. So I check pronunciation videos on YouTube all the time. Now, there are plenty of words, including Uranus, that we get some wiggle room and there's not one correct, ultimate, end-all, be-all way to pronounce it, especially now in modern times. Like you can argue, well, it was said this way for X amount of time. All right, well, it was said this way for X amount of time and still is. We're not going to just pretend like that doesn't exist. You know, language morphs and, and shifts and changes. And so... I just want to let you know that you can say it however you want. You can say (laughs) Uranus like I do. That just fits for me. It rolls off the tongue nicely and I like it. I don't know. I read it in my head that way too. So that helps. Um, You can say the old school way that we were raised on um, in our younger generation of Uranus. You're very welcome and will not be laughed at. I promise you won't be laughed out of a lecture or anything for saying Uranus, including 
to a fucking scientist. Like you are very welcome to pronounce it that way. And then you may, ha- may, maybe not, but you may have heard people pronounce it Uranus. And this is also very, very common and potentially a more traditional way of, of pronouncing it. Okay. So, you know, look up your YouTube pronunciation video that you resonate with or test a few of them out and see how you like to say Uranus, okay? But that's how we're going to say it here when I'm talking. And I just think it's so funny because I wish I wrote down the amount of times people have asked me that question. And it's it really is the most common question I personally get about Uranus, the planet. So let's talk a little bit about Uranus energy. First of all, this is the awakener, the liberator. And before we get really in depth with the personal characteristics and traits of this planet, and I have the orbit pattern specs and retrograde stats and stuff like that, I want to let you know that. The difference in the inner and outer planets is the personal planets or inner planets are typically experienced on a more immediate, short-term, personal level and scale. So the closer the planet is to the sun, and in my opinion, the closer it is to earth, right? closer it is physically to us, the people tracking. Um, And I'm talking about how this is experienced or felt, if you will, and why the like most inner planets like Mercury, uh, the moon, which orbits us, why we feel these transits and experience them. So well, strongly and frequently and in our day-to-day and in our regular, okay, that's the closer that it is to the sun um, or to us, again, because the moon orbits earth, the shorter the orbit period or cycle is, the more immediate and short-term and potentially shorter lasting uh, results and ripple effects of the planetary body, okay? And then the further we go out in distance, the longer these orbital periods and patterns, the longer it takes to make a full revolution around the sun, the farther away it is from us, because we're very close to the sun, Earth. Um, all, All planets considered, you know, we're really, really close. So it makes sense that we also use ourselves as a, as a, point, a geographical point in all of this. If it's close to earth, it's also therefore kind of close to the sun. Okay. Um, the further out we get the longer building and longer lasting, but potentially more subtle feeling these, these traits, characteristics, and events of these outer planets and outer planetary transits can feel. Um, There are long periods of many, many events going on. So when we talk about the U.S. Pluto return, we've talked about this a couple of times on the show, because Pluto is the furthest most 
planet in this in this main planetary lineup we go on in astrology plutonian transit periods last a fucking long time you don't just go off of the single transit date like oh i better not miss the us pluto return i better not miss neptune conjunct what was it jupiter that those transits last so long when they're when we're talking about more outer planets um you don't have to feel so it's so human nature of us isn't it to to operate in the immediate spontaneous and the short term right it's much it's much harder for us to have longevity in our vision and our perception and our understanding and our context. So I really found that it was important to, to lay this foundation for these episodes, because when you work with these planets as a cosmic witch, the ways in which you do are just going to be different than the ways in which you work with and understand and connect with the inner planets. It just is. Um, and witchcraft aside, even just as an astrologer, you know, any, and even if you're just a participant of astrology, if you don't identify as an astrologer, just a participant in even mild astrology, it's really important to have context between inner and outer planets because when I was very first starting out and starting to follow all the different astrological forecasts and the Instagram accounts of astrologers and stuff, I didn't have that context. And you see these outer planet transits uh, versus these inner planet transits, right? These, the moon posts for crying out loud. Every day it's a new moon and a full moon practically compared <laughs> compared to how long it takes Pluto to do things. You know what I mean? Like the moon's boogieing every couple of days to a new sign. Um, Pluto is, we'll get to the Pluto episode, but Pluto can be in a sign from anywhere from 12 to 30 years. And that's just one sign. That's just one piece of the pie of the zodiac. And so it's really important that you understand when you want to incorporate working with these planets in your human life, you have to surrender a little bit to the fact that these outer planet transits are a bit beyond you and a bit beyond this life. There is a lot of surrender that comes from working with Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, okay? So I'll be reminding you of all of these things as we go through these last three or these, these next three episodes, okay? But I just want to lay a really strong foundation of context for you that this is not the same as working with Mercury transits. Now, speaking of Mercury... The cool thing about the outer planets that can potentially really help you understand them even better is that in modern astrology, we consider these outer planets to be the higher octave of some of the inner planets, okay? And Uranus is considered to be the higher octave of Mercury, which is going to make 
tons and tons of cool sense as we go on. I love talking about the planets in this parallel way. So let's learn about Uranus. Uranus's entire orbit around the sun is 84 years. So I just want to put into context for you. Here's how the planets go. Mercury, um, Venus, Earth, then Mars, then Jupiter, then Saturn, then Uranus, then Neptune, and then Pluto. I did good. And did I do the acronym in my head? You betcha I did. (laughs) My very excited mother just served us nine pizzas. What was your acronym when you were a kid? Anyways, um, so Saturn was our most recent planet. Just to give you some idea of where we're at on the roadmap, okay? Saturn was the most recent planet. And it takes Saturn about 29 years to get around the sun. And now we all, we go to Uranus, just the next planet up, and it takes 84. (laughs) I'm picturing the Titanic gif or meme in my head of the old lady going, it's been 84 years. So seriously, though, that's how like I it, I hope that it does. It kind of makes you feel older, like gives you that kind of weight of time reference. That's exactly what I want these outer planetary episodes to do. So it takes uh, 84 years for Uranus to make one revolution around the sun, which means it's in one sign for approximately seven years. Now, Uranus goes into and stations its retrograde cycle about once every 12 months. Now, listen, <clears throat> all these orbit cycles and everything, they're like, to be exact, they're like down to the decimal point. And I rounded, okay, for our purposes here. But they are just a super quick Google away if you would like to know the very exact decimal point, uh, how often Uranus stations retrograde, exactly how many years and yeah, all of that. So it's about 84 years around the sun. It's about seven years per sign. Uh, Stations retrograde about once every 12 months and it's retrograde duration lasts about five months. Now, Uranus, like we talked about, is the higher octave of Mercury. Let's refresh our Mercury knowledge real quick. Mercury rules the mind, communication, interaction, information processing, and mythology is this god of messenger, right, and swift cunning. So Mercury was also known as god of thieves because of this rulership over the mind. There's this quick wit and this cleverness, okay? When we get to the higher octave of Uranus and... If this helps at all, Uranus rules Aquarius, okay? Whereas Mercury rules Gemini, the first air sign. Uranus rules Aquarius, the third and final progression of the air signs. And I try not to say the lower and higher because I think it paints this connotation that like Gemini is worse than Sagittarius or that any sign is worse than one or the other. It's um, it's a progression of, of that particular element. And the progression of the air elements are the stage of Gemini to the stage of Libra to the stage of Aquarius and around and around again, right? It's all cycles. So Uranus rules Aquarius. Uranus is of the air element. And like I briefly mentioned, is known as the awakener and the liberator. 
the role and symbolism of this planet is our revolutions. So this is both unexpected change and radical unexpected shifts. I definitely want to paint that um, that kind of chaotic nature here for sure. Sometimes you just don't know when Uranus is going to strike kind of a deal. It's, it represents that, that chaos nature in our universe. Okay. And it's also a grand and great building at the same time, this, this radical change and shift that Uranus brings can also come from, uh, the building and building and building of corruption and abuse and this is when the end of a bug's life, when, you know, the ants finally step up to the grasshoppers and they realize, and right, bug's life is just one of so many different stories uh, based around this whole theme. That even though it just seems like one individual is just one drop in the bucket, together we are strong. Together we are all deserving of the greater and highest good. Together we fight. Like this is all, I have like chills talking about this. This is all Uranus energy. And Uranus is a freaking fascinating planet to study on a historical basis. If you are even remotely a historical nerd and you also like astrology, go read historical Uranus transits and just have your mind blown. I mean, you could do that with any planet and you're going to have your mind blown. But this is really, really a fun one because of the that revolutionary aspect. This is great shifts and changes in societies, governments, leaderships, but also in greater technology. So when we think about Mercury, the lower octave, and this day-to-day interaction and communication and that level of technology, in Uranus, we have the much grander, grander scale of all of that, okay? And so this planet can be somewhat intimidating to work with. and. I think that when Uranus is your chart ruler, so if you're an Aquarius rising, like so many of my beautiful neighbors here in this neighborhood, I, I, if that's one thing that I love about this show, it's that it has brought me countless Aquarius risings into my life that I absolutely love so dearly. I literally have lost count at this point how many there are of you. I love all of you. Um, with Uranus as your chart ruler, if you're an, if you're an Aquarius rising, your chart rulers are both Uranus and Saturn. And what we really see in this co-rulership over Aquarius, what we see in this dynamic of energy is sometimes the structure and building of Saturn can lead to a corrupt point, right? That is centered around gaining power and, and abuse of the small so that it benefits the top. And Uranus is the great equalizer of this and comes in and here's the radical shift and here's the radical change 
that the authority never really truly saw coming, right? Because they never really valued that portion of society. So how could they really have ever seen it coming? And so this is where Uranus brings in that revolutionary energy, this radical shift and change. And so it can look like a lot of destruction and a lot of breakdown, and it can be really, really chaotic, like I said. However, the combination of these two rulers, I really firmly believe in my bone of bones, is where Aquarius merges both of the traits of its co-rulers and therefore becomes the noble humanitarian that it is, driven for the greater good of all really driven far fucking beyond hierarchy. There is no hierarchy when it comes to Aquarius. For the greater good of all kind. In Aquarius, we really start to understand the connection and the value of each and every single nook and cranny of every single part of the system, of the whole overall universal system, okay? So working with Uranus, looks like do and I'm honestly going to recommend this with all of the outer planets it's going to look like doing a little bit of your history research and it's going to look like doing a bit of your own self-exploration into generational patterns and generational traumas through the scope of revolution and and fighting against corruption and fighting against uh, toxic authority, always taking the freedom to question and move forward and and take and provide for the greater good of all, essentially. So you want to take all of these revolutionary Uranus themes into your study and exploration, whether that's just good old-fashioned studying those different types of events in history, or also looking in your own family or or lineage or your own local community's history and lineage um, of the different generational patterns as they relate to all of these different uh, Uranian themes. <clears throat> this is how we surrender to Uranus energy and harness it as well for that progress for the greater good of all. And I know a lot of people are really hungry for this this exact message right now anyways. So I hope that this is coming to you at a perfect time. I hope that Uranus gets you really, really excited um, to embrace that chaotic side of nature that says true hierarchy does not exist. Even the most powerful of powerful may think that. And the truth is, is that even the most perceived small of the small can take over and create that radical shift and change that is necessary, that great equalizer, okay? So if you're wanting to work a little bit more with Uranus, um, element is air, like I said, rules over Aquarius. Colors that are mainly associated with Uranus are indigo or that very deep, deep blue. It's like almost both purple and blue, depending on how you look at it. And yellow for sure uh, with that air element. Okay. So I hope that this inspires you. I hope that this excites you. I would love to hear any questions that you had come up during this episode. I can't wait to keep doing the rest of these outer planets with you. Thank you so much for your time today and every day. I appreciate every single one of you neighbors so, so, so much. Have a beautiful rest of your day and a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. 
have fun, and stay magical out there. Hey, magical human. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That Witch Podcast. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to share with a friend or give a shout out on your social media. You can also leave a five-star rating and review on both Apple and Spotify. And if you can't get enough of all of our witchy, magical content here in the neighborhood, you definitely want to make sure you're subscribed to my email newsletter, That Witch Gazette. It's a really fun, really convenient, one-stop shop to stay up to date on all of the news and happenings here in our neighborhood. If you have any questions, suggestions, ideas for the show, or if you'd like to sponsor an episode, you can send me a message at thatwitchnextdoor.com slash conjurethatwitch. Thank you so much. I'll see y'all next time.